Greetings, friends. Uh, welcome back to another podcast from the Film Alchemist. I'm your host, Josh Griffey. This is a special intro. As those of you who follow the show, uh, follow us on the socials know, my kid brother, Dustin Griffey, uh, in his 20s, pulling the trigger, getting married uh, to a lovely young lady who will be joining the Griffey clan. So, for those of you who know me, uh, I was at a bachelor party all weekend in Tennessee. So, the Josh Griffey you'll hear in this episode, oh man, Black Phillip, forgive me, I am sorry. He sounds in rough, hideous shape. I'm four days out now and I'm just starting to feel human again. That's how good of a bachelor party this was. Um, But this week, we wanted to take a moment, Alex and myself, um, and do a crossover pod. So, normally we do comic book and big uh, tentpole movies. We do that as part of our original podcast, The Long Box Sessions. Um, and I know there are a lot of you alchemists that found this show first and don't follow The Long Box Sessions. We thought this would be a cool chance um, to show you guys what we're doing over there. It sounds shockingly like what we do here when we do movies. But we also do a lot of fun comic book and fandom related uh, material over there. We just did a recap of every episode of Game of Thrones. So you can follow uh, the emotional journey we had through the show with everyone else. Uh, a good bit of therapy. Uh, we're creating our own Justice League. Uh, alternate universe. All kinds of fun stuff. This week in particular, I just took the boys to see uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Whole Lee shit, guys. It is the giant monster movie to end all giant monster movies. Super fun. Uh, we'll be talking about that. And with The Alchemist, as you know, we're also going to try to start um, doing more trips to the theater to talk about movies that are in theaters as they happen. So Brightburn is a start to that. Um, this weekend, around the wedding schedule, I'm going to also try to see Ma, which I'm super excited for. Um... God, I can't wait for that movie. Octavia Spencer, we trust forever. Also this week, we should have a really fun, high-octane Tom Cruise double feature for you. You should probably already know what I'm talking about. Uh, with my friend Kevin Weinman. So lots of fun Film Alchemist stuff coming. Um, but yeah, I wanted to take this moment to tell you, uh, thank you guys so much for the ratings and reviews, sharing us, following us on social we see that your work is helping us out. It does mean the world to us. Uh, we're not even a year into the show yet. And uh, the growth has been great. Thanks to you guys for uh, following us along on these movie journeys. It's really our favorite thing is to just go back and find new movies or just rewatch movies we love and find new ways to love them. Um, and you guys help us with that. So we appreciate that. Um, and now we're asking if you could do the same thing for long box sessions. We're just going to keep growing this pod empire, right? We're going to be... Uh, maybe not the Walmart. What's a less tar like a Target? We'll be a Target, Target of the podcast network, something like that. That's what we're working on. Uh, but yeah, guys. So I wanted to thank you for all your help. Ask you to uh leave us some love for Film Alchemist and the Longbox Sessions. And uh, again, I just have to apologize. Uh, that guy from last week, he made all the bad life choices he could. Um, I was laying there hungover and I made it packed with Black Phillip. Uh, never again. But now I have to do on the record addendum. Black Phillip, I need one more weekend. If I can get through wedding weekend, then I'm done. 
No more sinning forever. Just high quality podcasts for the people. Market here, Philip. Market. All right, guys, that's enough for me. I hope you enjoy the show. And uh, Dustin Griffey, congratulations, man. I'm so proud of you. Peace. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Long Box Sessions. I'm your host, Alex Dandino. And I'm Josh Griffey. Actually, that is a uh, 80-year-old woman from Boca Raton who's uh, uh, subbing in for Griff this week. Yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the ashen ruins of Josh Griffey. <laughs> yeah, just talk down here like this. Do it there. Do it there. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a... Oh, what was that guy's name? Robin Re- Williams' brother and Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Harvey Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein, that's me now. Oh, you're gorgeous. No, uh, my baby brother is getting married next week, so we did a four-day-long bachelor party in Nashville. I think I made every bad decision available to me. Perfect. It was a great time. Uh, so now I've got four days of sickness and misery to get prepared <laughs> to do it all again this weekend at his wedding. Well, God bless, you know, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> I just, I can't, man. I mean, I think it's fun. It's funny because I always like, I always like the shows where you think you're, you sound under the weather and I never think you do. This is the only time I've actually heard you sound off. This is like truly one of the first times I'm like, wow, he really sounds different today. This is fun. Yeah. I, I never realized how sexy my voice sounded until I hear it in this version. <laughs> Hey, kids, this is what all the cigarettes and whiskey in Nashville will do to you. (laughs) Those goddamn country people are leading a very unhealthy lifestyle. (laughs) Goddamn, I just had a crazy deja vu that we've done this. It's weird. Uh, (laughs) Griffey and I uh, saw Brightburn last week, and we want to talk about it. Uh, Just to dispense with the pleasantries and all that stuff. You guys know to rate and review the show. I'm not going to tell you again. We'll do it at the end. Yeah, guys, this show will be... uh, airing both as the long box session show of the week and we're also going to be playing it on our uh, other podcast the film alchemist podcast feed so if you find us at one and you don't listen to the other this is a perfect time to make you aware that you should be uh subscribing and listening to the long yes. box sessions and film alchemist and sharing both and showing the love so uh scoot on over to whichever show you don't follow and join the fun on to brightburn so Brightburn, or as I like to call it, the movie that was basically Griffey's life had he fallen from the fallen to the earth. <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I walked, I was in the theater, and I'm like, this seems like just something either Griffey's pitched or Griffey has thought, <laughs> or literally all the things. I'm like, this movie feels tailor made for a Josh Griffey viewing. It's 90 minutes long. It gets right to the point. Like all of the things that Griffey loves about superheroes and horror films are in this movie. I can't wait to talk about them. Talk about it with them. Uh, so, for those of you who have not seen *Brightburn*, *Brightburn* is um, a horror take on the superhero genre. I guess. Uh, to the long story short, is what if Superman fell to Earth and, uh, as a little kid, decided to be uh, 
the Superman we all assumed he would become, which is this like world dominating dickhole. Uh, hijinks ensue. You should see the movie. Spoilers ahead. We saw it, and here we go. Griff, first impressions. How did you feel about this? I absolutely fucking adored this movie. Oh, I fucking uh, it. I knew it. This was easily my favorite movie of the year so far. <laughs> um, I heard a lot of people complaining that once you had seen the trailer, there was no reason to partake in Brightburn further. Uh, I couldn't disagree with that more. I actually found myself liking it a tremendous amount more than I had even anticipated. Right. And I think they added some really clever wrinkles. It's not just if Superman no. chose to be evil, which is there, there's some really good layering going on to a really good concept. Yeah. And then on top of that, they they went all the way. This was one of the more gnarly graphic films I've watched in a while. I, gotta, I didn't think they were going to take it all the way in case some comic book only fans happened to wander in the theater. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they went all the way on the violence and horror. Yeah. Yeah. But not only that, I liked, I liked the characters they built. I liked the, the relationship building. Um, it's really great from the perspective of both child and parent. Yes. There was, there was just so much to love. And again, I think they made it more interesting than what if Superman just went the school shooter route, right? right? Yeah. Like he's just a disturbed little kid. This, right. Okay, so let's talk about this right off the bat, right? So it is the classic farm family finds a boy out in the woods. Right. But instead of doing the Rob Zombie take, right, where the parents just are <laughs> nonstop obscenity machines and chain smoking and wearing uh, off-white yellow stained shirts, right. these are real parents that actually try, right? right. He, he does find... Again, I, I don't want to say that they're the Ma and Pa Kent. You know, she has a Ramones T-shirt and finger paints in the living room. No, 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 no. But um, they're they're good parents, right? They're yeah. tryhards. Yeah, we're not. They, they seem to care about all of his right. behavior. I mean. And the wrinkle they add, right, is not only that they're pretty good parents. He is a bullied kid. Right. I but mean, he still is very smart and tries. But then his origin is what's pulling back at him. That's right. what I want you to get at. So think of instead of Superman being sent uh, with hope, what if he was sent as destroyer? It's actually kind of right. the Dragon Ball Z and I, story. Again, <laughs> I'm I'm I was merely doing the elevator pitch, which I'm sure is that's what it was. But like, right, 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 right. The general movie is so much more than that. Like Griffey was saying, um, I thought. I mean, I thought just like from a like from a like standpoint of telling of like. Like storytelling wise, this is the model for just like perfect, tight, compact storytelling. This movie's ninety minutes long. It spares absolutely not a single. There's not a single ounce of fat on the husk of this uh, story body. Like I absolutely adore where it begins, where it's, uh, where it lands in the middle, and where it ends. Like everything about this movie hits the right notes for me. Especially based on like a lot of stuff we've said on this show is like. Oh, you could cut here. You could cut there. There's really not a lot you could cut from this movie that I feel like they already cut. Um, I love the parable of nature versus nurture in this. Like, I think that was the yes. thing that I walked out the most flabbergasted by and the most like shocked with was how much they talk, how much the movie really debated, like 
how much can you really influence your child before like i mean obviously mm-hmm. if you're from another world how much can that uh affect your kids well-being which you know obviously has a great deal of effect in this movie but what happens if the vagina your kids comes out of is a giant glowing red death machine right, right. <laughs> which you know if you've been in if you've been in one of those delivery rooms sometimes that's the way that looks you know i don't know what to tell hey, you i was in what i was in the clubs in nashville they're all over the place it's getting real scary out there uh yeah i, I just i thought it was such a fascinating quandary of like yeah um the uh, Elizabeth Banks and David Denham are the actors who play the parents, mm-hmm. the Ma and Pa Kent, as it were, even though they're not like that at all. Um, but yes, I think that's the thing I like the most is they are trying to be parents. Like, and put emphasis on trying. Like, it's not that they are just like it's not, you know, Don- Donner's Superman, where you have like the perfect prototype farmer parents who you know kindly couple. That's not what they're doing. They're literally people who want to have a baby and kind of this just sort of happens to them. So the benefit of this story beat and them not being like the perfect parents, but trying to be great parents is what I really love. Like that scene, uh, when they take him to that restaurant for his birthday, that might be yeah. one of my all time favorite beats in a movie. Cause I was not expecting that when he pulls that, he, like basically they go and they're with the, you know, the goofy uncle and the sister and he fucking pulls out a giant, uh, fucking, shotgun like i shot my first buck with this and you're going to too and the dad's like whoa what the fuck man no guns and the kid oh that's that's what the waiters come out with if you have a cracker barrel birthday (laughs) yeah i forgot that's this is definitely this movie is definitely i see this all the time when i'm playing rocking chair checkers (laughs) but i think that's the thing that was so fascinating then was there's that beat of like a you see a parent who's trying to like whoa no guns like we don't want to teach our kid that just yet even though it's it's fucking kansas like everyone shoots a gun like i've my parents used to live in missouri like uh, i we went into a restaurant one time and someone walked in with a gun on their hip and i was like dad we gotta get out of here and my dad's like no that's a thing i'm like what the fuck yeah i mean well it's it's an interesting moment because what it does is it puts parents in that scary moment where it'll happen to all of us where we realize that Nature will find a way and we're no longer steering this ship. Right. Now we're kind of just holding on for dear control mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, or for sweet life, <laughs> you know, just grasping at any straw, hoping to veer this thing as close as we can. Right. Right. Uh, but at a certain point, these kids are going to go their own right. way. Particularly so, you get that beat of like, give it to me. Like, holy shit. Like, I wouldn't have yeah. even said that's my dad. Like, that's just not how you react. <laughs> right, but, and, and this is the cool part is they they do this good job of they they put the parents in the they try to ration with him they try to be logical they try to give him constant information but yet they withhold the biggest piece of information yeah. um and when he loses it about that it's actually pretty close to this moment but they they do a great job of of rolling out the Here's a family trying to get by, and they're dealing with a very normal problem, which is uh, bullying. And then not only is your kid a bully, but he's kind of changing. He's smart. He's a little bit of an outcast. Right. And he's probably dealing with some of the adoption um, sting. And then all of a sudden, he finds one thing about himself 
that he likes and imbues him with a sense of self and power. Right. And what happens when that is the wrong thing? And that butts up against uh, the worldview and the parenting regime that you've set up. And that's kind of the collision course of this movie, right? Is And it's brilliantly laid out because it plays as a superhero movie partially, but it's mostly science fiction and horror. Yeah. And so this is an alien invasion movie, but it's also the kid is a meteor crashing into the world the parents have built. Right. So there, there's a lot of really good layered storytelling happening. Yeah, I think that ultimately the value of that whole the value of like the inversion of the kents is the thing that really drives the movie home to me because i i think trying is the best word to use for it like it's the thing i love the most about elizabeth banks and david denham in this movie is like first off i think they're both phenomenal actors like i always love seeing them in movies and david denham is like one of those guys who just like he's you know him probably best from like the office but he's one of those guys who always is in stuff and you were like, oh, yeah, that guy. It's so fun to see him, like, do this. And he's a phenomenal actor, man. And he has, like, the unenviable task of having to be the parent to, like, the world breaker. And not only that, though, but he also has to be the parent that – and this is something that really struck me. He has to be the parent who's suspicious first. And that is a really difficult – like, because basically when all this stuff starts happening and when everybody's – basically Brandon starts – becoming you know bad i guess or what we would what we <laughs> he would, starts becoming a teenager or, yeah They're all what like we would that. use our social construct <laughs> yeah he becomes a teenager but with superpowers and he's not using them for great stuff and it's a really fascinating turn in the movie too to see david denham like be like i don't trust my kid anymore like i can't trust my kid not just on the superficial level of like he's a teenager so you can't trust a teenager but like not only is he a teenager, but he's also the most powerful teenager in the world. More powerful, more powerful than any, any adult. So well, you can't it's also trust a, that classic father son thing, right? Right. It's no, I mean, but this is interesting too. Is when we first see the parents, they're trying. He's trying to engage in the fucking yeah to make his own baby. Yeah, no, he wants. To, he's the one who says, "Let's make a baby." Like, yeah, and then he has the nightmare yeah. that shows us her actually finding the baby and the blood coming out everywhere in that great nightmare scene. Yeah. So we get a sense that he maybe was never into this, even though we've seen him be a pretty good father throughout the, the start of the movie. Right. But I think there, there is this subtext, too, of this boy has taken away his wife. And the family he could have had as well. Interesting. So, again, there's a lot of paranoia playing, right? right? I think the, you know, the this isn't our son is always a little there. Uh, we also see him. He is apparently the farmer that works later than any other farmer ever. <laughs> he's always coming in at, like, midnight. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's happening? I've been working all this time. Right. And uh, so he's always kind of out of the house as her and Brandon are figuring it out. Yeah. Coming in late. Uh, having to be the, you know, deal with the bad moment guy, question what's happening. Right. And then you add the paranoia of the ship under the barn. Uh, there, There's just a lot going on. You know, so what we're doing early is while we're building this kind of Rockwellian facade, um, that ship is everything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, Brand- when Brandon starts hearing the voice for the first time and the ship activates... 
um, the ship has malicious intent, right? Mm-hmm. That is his paranoia bubbling to the surface in the barn that his father specifically says, uh, I tell you all the time not to go in, right? but where him and his mom uh, kind of play hide and seek. So there's just so much good visual storytelling and uh, you know symbolisms carrying that extra load, yeah. While the genre stuff does the heavy lifting of you know the visual splatter and fun, right? Yeah, I think that that's probably that's probably one of the greatest achievements of this movie is how well it subtextually acknowledges all of these wonderful themes about parenthood and growing up and not knowing where you come from, but also not knowing who you really are until you you know, grow into that person that you're going to become. And yeah. And then on top, and then they layer on top, like all that great genre, like goodness, like this, like extra layer of frosting of like horror and then a little bit of superhero stuff. And that's like, I mean, (laughs) the most minimal amount of superhero. Yeah. Like literally the the (laughs) amount of superhero stuff in this movie is literally like a kid puts on a cape by accident. Like that's probably the most yeah, superheroic right. <laughs> it gets. Other than that, it's a straight horror movie. And I yeah, love it. I was going to say Jason X is almost the exact same quotient <laughs> of superhero. <laughs> yes. Jason X. That is the equivalent we want to, we want to put forth here. Right. <laughs> uh, no, but you actually hit on something that really struck me in this one. One thing I like that they changed a little bit from the Superman mythos is, what we've done over the years is we've learned a lot that Superman's identity is kind of, both of his identities are kind of handed to him, right? right. There, there's the classic Tarantino, right? That Clark Kent is his interpretation of us and his joke of us. Right. And I think that's a great line, but what I really think it is, is it's his version of his mom and dad. Right. right? Well, we've talked He's about that on the definitive show. Guy. Yeah. We've talked yeah, about this on the definitives. Like Clark Kent is not like an impression of a person. It's him. It's 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 not like it's not a joke, I would say. Like that's like the wrong way to contextualize it to me. Well, I think it's a good take and it's sure. an interesting food for thought, but I think at the end of the day it's not a an indictment of us. I think it's no. his wish that he could be one of us. Right. I think he wishes he could be Clark Kent a lot of times. Oh yeah, I think so too. Right? Um but so that identity is given to him by his parents and then his Kryptonian Superman identity you know, the symbol stands for hope. And, uh, you know, the cape was often shown as the, you know, the towel that he was wrapped in at birth, right? His right, blanket. Right. Um, he presses the crystals to get all of that past knowledge and his parents giving him the mission of being a savior and hope and um, the lessons of Krypton. Right. In this one, what they do, the machine activates, right? Because he, he doesn't have much of an identity at home. He obviously does a lot of work trying to be like his dad, but he hates it everything's all broken down he's like i'll get to it i'll get to it right um so he's not taking the farmer thing well and at school he doesn't have much of an identity he's kind of he can't help himself but answering and answering and answering and getting mocked right and then the ship though is where it gets really fascinating in the version of superman because the ship speaks to him but almost garbled yeah because i was i was trying to remember but i don't think i ever actually heard it say take the world no, what and I, what I liked is they left it slightly ambiguous to where that is him, and then the drawing and the outfit looks shitty, like he made it. He's drawing that identity. Yeah. Well, the thing so that Superman, he's making choice. Well, that's the thing that I liked. Like, actually, the thing that struck me was when he's like, so when he the scene where he actually like finally like makes the turn, he's he walks outside in the pouring rain, and you hear him say like. 
blah, blah, whatever that word is like this word means take. And so he's like assembling his own. He's assembling his own mythology from what he believes as he's interpreting as he's interpreting these words saying that means take, take the world. Like that's, that's what's interesting. And I agree with you. I think that's the cooler (laughs) thing about this inversion of the Superman mythos is his version of his version is like this dominance, but also I, him interpreting it on his own is very important to me. I think that's a really, I think that's again, goes with this nature versus nurture thing is like, perhaps this is just Brandon's nature and his interpretation is, I need to dominate. That's the interpretation you would take. Yeah, I mean, there there also is this idea. I mean, granted, the ship is glowing bright red, and it's like, blah, blah, blah. Sure. like it, it's somewhat branding itself as, right. hey, we're going to be bad guys, but that could just be the aesthetics of their planet. Maybe it's that's what the Wiggles sound like on their planet. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, that was like a kid's CD from wherever the yeah, fuck he it came was. From. It was like it was like <laughs> a, it was like a Peppa Pig soundtrack from where he yeah, came from. That, that's the uh, the invasion forces baby shark. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're kind of giving away the game. But what I like too is that Brandon doesn't. While he he does exhibit psychopathic behaviors and and goes bad pretty fast, they set some of the roots in that in him before he knows what he is. Yeah. Right. And and the fact that he has always felt superior, but not appreciated. Right. I think that's a really important part. And especially in the school when they're showing that no matter what he does or if he's good at something and he has knowledge, um, he is destroyed for that by his peers. Right. And I think that's an important part of this, too, is um, while Brandon turns, he, he has this flaw of oh it wasn't ever me right? right there was no oh i did need to adjust some things to fit in um it was just these couple people didn't understand how special i was right in the cool way they show that is how fast he turns on that girl in class that was nice to him right i think actually the thing that i like the most about like that whole thing is him telling people like the thing that I that struck me is like when he makes the turn, like when he goes to Marilee's house and tells his aunt, like, "Holy shit!" The scene at the aunt's house was ridiculous. It's fucking terrifying. Like, and it's only because he's literally like, "That can't happen. You can't tell the the police." It would be yes, really. But bad. what starts it is actually because he's actually kind of voyeuring her, right? Yeah. So there is this weird kind of home invasion, rapey vibe to how he's hunting her right because he could just knock at the door and be like hey i am so sorry i have just been under a lot of stress uh hormones i'm getting a lot of boners in inappropriate times (laughs) like it's hard for me now it's hard right i'm sorry the fact that brandon never felt he needed to try to cover up anything with his aunt twice yeah um that's really fucking dark territory. I love that scene. I love that he literally, uh, yeah, I love the scene in the school where he literally points out, he's like, I'm superior to everyone here. I don't know why I'm like wasting yeah. my time. And then he goes and says, yeah, you can't tell anyone about that. That is, then the thing that's fascinating yeah. is the uncle comes home and just catches him in the, like, that was so fucking funny. Like, I was fucking dying fuck laughing in the theater. The fuck are you doing in here? You fucking weirdo. Oh my God. That was so fucking funny. I love that. Yeah, um, and it also no, leads to one of the more gruesome. Do you kills. think it makes him a, a better psychopath per se that he doesn't try to hide it? 
I mean, I feel like it's kind of an overdone trope of the, uh, hi, I'm just a nerdy guy. Yeah. But really? Well, he's a psycho. I like that. He's just on front street. Well, I like that he's on front street because it, it gives the flavor of this is like, it gives a different flavor to the whole thing. Like they're not doing the Clark Kent. Like that's yeah. I th- that I feel is like a really important thing is like, this is someone who's not trying to be Clark Kent. He doesn't want to fit in. He wants to be above like, yeah, that's a huge part of this entire mythos and the entire story itself is like, cause I mean, we all, you know, wh- whatever your background was, wherever your family life is like, like no matter what, there is some sort of like modicum of respect you have for your parents. That's earned at some point, like they kept you alive to an extent. So you have like some sort of, <laughs> some sort of respect for your parents. And I think what's interesting is subverting that and playing with that trope of like, Oh, well I respect my parents because they showed me, I don't know how to camp and how to, you know, talk to people and how to be, how to be this. And my dad took me hunting and all this other stuff that literally meaning nothing to him because he feels that he doesn't need to, this isn't his world. He doesn't need to prove that it's, he doesn't need to prove that he's normal. He needs to prove that he's something much, much more special than anything he's ever seen. Well, he takes it as not that they, cause that's the funny thing, right? Every time you've ever told your parents to fuck off, they kept you alive long enough to do that. Right, to them. Exactly. It's so, it's such a weird, weird, sad thing that we do as a culture, right? Instead of just 300ing your ass off a mountain, they're like, I'll just keep feeding this thing pop tart so it can cuss <laughs> me out. Um, yeah, but he actually takes it not as look at what they did for me, but they've been holding me back this whole right, time. Right, right, yeah. The indignities I've suffered because of their their love and affection, right? Right. Um, which is weirdly how I think most teenagers see their parents, right? They are the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Because there is this, why did you bring me into this cruel world? Right. You know, and, and not prepare me for the, the evils of high school and middle school if things aren't going well. Right. His is the exact opposite. He's like... Oh, I was here to fucking run this joint. Right. <laughs> Instead, you made me this fucking poindexter who gets mocked all day. Uh, you know, I should have been at school snapping wrist back in second grade, setting boundaries <laughs> for these kids. Um, I don't know. It's it's yeah, I, I find this I found his turn interesting. The scene that really nailed it home for me, the ant scene was great. Mm-hmm. But when they tell him about the uncle yeah. dying. Oh yeah. And he's just like Okay. Okay. And he's like because at that moment, I, as an audience member, I was questioning, is he incapable of the emotion now? Is something right. changing in him, right? Were the seizures some kind of like DNA rewriting process? Right, right. But I don't like that as much as just he does know and is saying, fuck that. Yeah, I think that he – I like that I, I like that interpretation too. I like that he's a character who literally says, I don't care. Like he's an yeah. inferior being. I just made – I made a species that already wasn't strong, a little stronger by getting rid of him. Yes. And you can see that juxtaposed with his dad, just fuming, Lo- losing it. And even more than his friend's death, he's like, I know this little fucker is lying. Yeah. To me, yeah. Right. And, uh, God, that whole sequence, you know, right? it's funny. He gets slammed into the wall. Yeah. His mom still shuts him down. Yeah. And then he goes upstairs. He's sneaking around the room. You know, it's funny too. And he's trying to. It's such a weird sequence when this starts happening. The the scene before that, though, like that night when he comes home and has like talks about going to soccer practice and all that. Oh fuck! Okay, so see, he does know that he needs to hide enough. Right. Well, I forgot that is a psycho term. What I fucking love though is the that I swear to God, my parents have had that conversation though about like my little brother. Like 
He goes upstairs. They close the door. Like he's fucking lying. Of course he's fucking lying. Of course I know that he's lying. Like I thought you were gonna say, Polly came home covered in blood again. <laughs> no, no, not this time. No, but like he's literally. But that's like a that's a conversation. I feel like every parent has had through, across the history of time oh, with teenagers. Yeah. Is like, of course he's fucking lying. How the fuck oh, do we I call him out to, on? I just used to lie right to my parents' face. Right. And in my mind, I'm like, I think I'm selling them. Yeah. And they had to just be like this fucking little asshole. Oh yeah, like this. <laughs> that's no always way. been the thing. Is like my little brother. I love Polly. Polly, I love you. But my little brother lied to my parents so much. I'm like, do you really think you're getting away with something here? They know you're doing it. They know you're lying. He's like, I think there's a level of uh, psychological warfare. Yeah. We know that they know, yeah, yeah. and we know that it'll hurt them. Right. Because <laughs> you're like, look, I'm going to remind them that they were bad parents. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that whole little interchange there between those two scenes, I feel like that's because that really is like the turn into the third act anyways, but yeah, it's such a strategic turn and it's so well crafted. Like once you get, start getting through towards the end, you're like, holy shit, man. Like there's only one way this is going to end and it's bad for literally everyone. It's, this is what I love. It's fascinating. They, they set up so much good character work yeah we haven't even started talking about the fun stuff yet no this movie is just full of fascinating uh you know parables and even parallels uh to the parenting and kid experience man right and that's what i'm saying in a film that is such sci-fi and horror schlock um in somewhat is just a parody of genres that we like yeah uh, parody's not the right word, right? I, I wouldn't even call it a parody. It's, it's not a parody. Yeah, it's. I it's mean, kind of like how Shaun of the Dead is not a parody of zombies, right? It's a love letter to zombies. Yeah, I would say it's a love That's letter. That's how I would think of this. It's just a, it's a tribute. Like, I mean, it's a wonderful tribute to how great a like how great horror movies can be, especially when they're done in this like. I mean, again, just I love the timing of this movie and the pacing. Yeah. Everything about that aspect of this like filmmaking works for me because right again like there's no fat they give you just the right amount of pathos they give you just the right amount of character development so that i believe everything that's happening in this movie and if, and so by the and then by the end i'm i'm, I'm hooked like i i've right. i've never like you walk out of marvel movies now just obligatorily going well i guess i'll wait for the next one i really yeah. am no, you're fascinated like, those jokes were great yeah <laughs> I'm really fascinated to see if there's going to be another one of these. Like, I think I'd be a little disappointing, but I really would. We'll be... get to that. They set that up beautifully. I agree, right? I love that. Magique. We'll that. that um, is fucking uh, alchemy magic. Magic for sure. About. No, um, yeah, I, I like, though, because a lot of movies that lean so heavily on really good genre stuff, mm -hmm. they're like, ah, fuck it. We just got to get through to that. Yeah. And this movie doesn't. This movie doesn't waste its obligatory narrative scenes no uh there is a lot happening every time the fun sh uh you know genre schlock is not now let's talk about the fun shit this movie and the kills and the fucking gnarly horror oh they went so far and above where i thought this would ever land <laughs> it was insane i and I knew the moment he snapped that wrist, right? Because we saw the lawnmower in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. But the lawnmower didn't hurt him. Because that, that one freaked me the fuck out. I was kind of cringing in the theater. Mm -hmm. That's a nightmare as a suburban dad who has to mow once a week. That's a real nightmare for right. me. Um, 
But when he snapped that girl's wrist and they gave the extra like, yeah, there was like an extra two snaps. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, we're going there. I think I mean, it's interesting because they put that they put the eye gag in the trailer. And that is like the grossest thing I've ever seen. To be fair, I still didn't think it was going to that eye gag last for almost two minutes. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to go that long. And it went, man. And not only that, like it was disgusting. Yes, and that is truly one of my like I can't wear contact lenses because I'm so terrified of anything by my eye. I absolutely, so I, I absolutely thought of that I'm like Griffey, in the Griffey's got to be just nauseous watching this. But oh, it was the worst. I so glad they saved Noah's kill for the for the theater because honestly, that was the grossest thing I've seen in a movie in a long. What time. was your favorite kill? The uncle? Oh, it's the uncle. Noah, uncle by far. Like oh my god, that was the that's, grossest. That's a prime thing example seen. of. Did you actually think it was going that far? I I was like <laughs> I was like, well, that's the end of that scene. Like I really did not expect it to go anywhere anywhere near it and I'm like, holy shit. He's still a- Oh, he's still alive. Oh my god, that's disgusting. Holy right. shit. So, we start off with a great wrist snap. Yeah. The the eyeball gag actually plays really well because I love the way they did the the window fogs mm-hmm. and then she can kind of see but her eyes bloodied. Yeah. Um, the payoff the for that, that I thought awesome. was weird was her strategy is I'm going to lock myself in a meat <laughs> freezer. He could have just left her for a slow death. Yeah. And had no uh, no evidence of his crimes. Right. But the way it plays, he, he wanted wants to get people in there. Because re- remember when they found the, uh, the jerk off pile mm-hmm. and it was like guts and they're like, that's weird. Is this a thing kids are doing? <laughs> right. That added an extra level of terror to him because she could have just died in that meat freezer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just let her bleed out. I loved, I like that he wants, I think that's the crazy, that's a really cool, crazy thing is like he wants people to know. Like that little bright burn symbol, like he wants people to know. Yeah. I well, after that. he fucking smashes his uncle and then he's playing, and this is the guy that gave him the gun that he wanted so bad he was fighting with his dad. Right. So how fast his really cool aunt and uncle go to enemy. Again, it's just that extra character work happening. But I have to say the uh, the face shattering on the steering wheel was a good shot. Yeah. I did not fathom we were going to go back there for another minute. Neither did I. To just watch tongue and jaw and he's uh, playing with the blood. I mean, this... It just makes you fucking sit in it. Well, that was the thing is like what it does is it, it gives it. <laughs> I think it's good visual storytelling because it reinforces the oh if if Superman were real we are helpless babies yeah well and so the movie's like sit in the carnage and know what that fear would be like when they went back to the car and I was like oh man we're we gonna see like oh he's deaf and then I'm like he's not dead oh his fucking jaw just fell off oh my god Ugh. I can't watch this oh my god Ugh. I was like oh. I'm just shivering in my seats. Like, oh my god! I mean, it is brutal. Now, there are two other scenes that are phenomenal in the horror realm. I love the mice and men moment. Yeah, where the dad is just telling the wife, "Like, I'm going to be a good dad," just to drive the kid out in the woods, and the kid's actually playing along. Right? He's trying to track deer and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, you know, my pa brought me out here last time to shoot deer and talk about getting pussy. <laughs> Right. He's like, he's probably an okay guy, even though we had a, a dust up, right. you know, in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, but when he fucking shoots that bullet and it just ping right off his head, 
And then the dad who's like, I have to do something to save the world just cowers yeah. in fear. I Oh my I mean, what a, a masterful performance turn. There's another thing uh, though that, that this happens because it happens twice because there's this, there's the the scene with David Denham and then there's the ending with Elizabeth Banks. The look of betrayal on his face is the thing that yeah. I absolutely thought was just like, holy shit. Like he clearly knows this is going to happen. Like he's not an idiot. He's like the smartest kid in the room and he's the most powerful person in the world. So he knew this oh, was yeah. going to happen. And yet he turns around both times this happens, the betrayal, the look of betrayal on his face, like, how could you? You're my parents, is so just brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's very chilling, and I don't even know that it's how could you. It's how fucking dare you. Oh, that's a good yeah, that's a better I take. I am yeah. so above you, and you know it. Right. At this point, he's drawing the lines. You guys know I'm better than you. You know, I know that you know. Uh, it was just... This kid, if he does not end up getting an Oscar for playing the biggest dickhead in an Ivy League college in like five years, what a waste of a fucking resting bitch face. <laughs> but uh, no, the, but the moment, right, his dad is cowering like, don't, 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 just caving in. And then I love the best use of laser vision oh, of all so time. So awesome. Just fucking melting his fucking brains out. Oh, my God. Graphically. So cool. It's. I was kind of pondering as... I feel like I've seen close to that. Yeah. But that's the shot I've always imagined. You've never seen it that like, powerful. I've never seen it that up close. Like you feel like I've seen like in cartoons like like in Justice League Unlimited Superman like uh lobotomized Doomsday. But I've never seen him just like rip into someone to the point where he literally like the face just melts out of his head like oh yeah. It was so cool. And then, yeah, and then this sets us up before we get to the big finale, right? Yeah. Uh, the other scene I thought was insanely effective was uh, him creeping in the girl's room. Yeah, that was great. This was before her mom gets it at the diner. Uh, him playing the love song on the computer, hiding in the curtains, and then when he comes back with a flower, and it's pretty much just like, hey, I snapped your arm. Uh, so you know that I'm awesome now, right? <laughs> His, because in that moment we start to see this, uh, his delusions of grandeur, right? Right. That, oh my God, everyone is going to be so excited when they finally know they can stop picking on me. Like I am is awesome. I'm better than them. Right. They'll all fall in line. Right. Um, and just the kind of scary moment of. That's one of the best examples because he's an actual pure innocent. He didn't hide anything from him like his parents did, which, again, I don't think is an act of evil, but he can perceive it as an act of betrayal. Uh, this is a moment because when she drops him at school, he has to know on some level that he scared her first by creeping in her room. Yeah. And this is the best example of his. Well, not the best because he's obviously just like mangling corpses all over town. <laughs> Uh, and maybe jerking off to them, which is weird. But yeah. this is an actual pure innocent that he is kind of declaring ownership over. Mm -hmm. He is becoming the bully to her in a very specific and scary way. Right. Um, and I think that almost is more terrifying than the other. Because, I mean, in the other one, you just get your fucking brain melted out. That girl will spend the rest of her days wondering if that guy's behind every curtain. Right, right. I mean, yeah, it's interesting, too, because the lesson, 
like it starts when they're uh, hunting in the woods in the beginning of the movie like david denham tries to impart this lesson about like how to act towards girls like that you know you're changing and that kind of thing and it's just again it's so brilliantly done like the inverse of the lesson is what's learned and right that is the thing that i think this movie does so well is like how do you teach a kid who literally doesn't need to worry about like you never really consider that kind of stuff with the kents you know like how do you teach a kid who literally doesn't have to worry about x y and z or like particularly the consequences of his actions that there are consequences to his actions like that's how do you tell your son to go and just get bullied every day when he can snap wrist yeah it's amazing it's such an incredible inversion of the lesson to learn and then it really is what sets us up for the end of the movie like the ending of that movie is so well plotted and well thought out like it's perfectly to me it's just perfectly spaced between like a mother's love for their child and then like a child's realization that like i'm growing like i'm I'm beyond this. Like, I mean, I think that's like something that all of us have gone through as teenagers, probably parents. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you said it really well when you talked about there is a lesson and it's always the wrong lesson learned. Right. Yeah. So it keeps going back to this, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men theory, right? which is the dad is trying to teach him something and then inadvertently condones him being a sex offender. Right. (laughs) And the mom is trying really hard to protect her son and inadvertently pushes her husband into this fucking ruse of his, not that she's responsible for what happens, but she does draw the line that I will not face reality about what's happening to our kid and puts him on an Island. Right. And that's the worst feeling as a parent. Take it from me when you're like, I know this is wrong, but I'm over here by myself. Right. And I don't know what to do. Um, and she doesn't, Elizabeth uh, Banks's character doesn't confront this at all. No. Until it hits home. Oh, shit. The love of my life, who I've known since I was very young, is now uh, goo in the forest. <laughs> you know what I mean? This That is the, because she sees the the notebook. Yeah. And I think she still has a little bit of, well, I'll just call him and we'll be on the same page and maybe even a slight bit of we can get this under control still. Right. Until she hears his voice. Well, I mean. And that moment is played to devastating effect. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing that I loved about that entire scene between the woods and her like discovering the notebook. What an amazing like cross cutting. Like I thought that was absolutely epic editing. Like that's the kind of stuff that's just like. That's textbook filmmaking that you don't get to see very often because, like, they want to focus down on one beat. And I'm like, no, like, these two have to mesh together because it culminates in getting us to a really thrilling third act. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that is, like, that's also the kind of stuff that's not wasting time. Like, you're like, we got to get here. Like, we got to make it. We got to make it to this scene because it's important that we pace this at a frenetic beat. Because if you don't, then... You lose a bit of momentum and you like, again, he got back there in record time to confront his mother and all that kind of stuff. Like, I love that we're not like waiting it out because then you're in a situation where you have to just sort of like you're contemplating sort of the moral quandary of it. And at the same time, you're also like anticipating some sort of shock. And instead, all of it comes together at once and you just sort of have to go with it. I loved that. 
I thought that was, right. I well, thought that was well, excellent. The, the cross-cutting scene in the woods is it works so well because that's the end of the story, essentially, yeah. right? This is both parents simultaneously killing the version, the myth of their son. Right. Right. The dad has decided he'll try to do it with the bullet. When he pulls that trigger, he kills the myth of, oh, I'll just be this kid's dad anymore. Right. Right. Uh, when she finds the notebook and hears his voice, she's knows mm-hmm. she's no longer uh, the mother of this son. Right? right. It's it's a complete destruction of this family myth they've had. Right. And so playing those together are great. And then Brandon gets his turn to do the same because he could go in that house and get his mom. Mm-hmm. Right. That would take half a second. He wants to fucking destroy this house. Yeah. He wants to bring down all of these lies on top of her. He wants her to confront it. Right. There's no way she outruns him to that barn. No. He wants this moment. The question I would ask you in that because they bring back the creepy whistle, Mm -hmm. which was phenomenal. Awesome. He. I think he knew she was under that bed. Oh, I think he absolutely. I think he knew. I think he heard her drop out of the window. I think he knew where she was at all times. I think this is a matter. It's a yes. matter of because we didn't really get into what his suits or super senses were. We just right. saw the physical stuff in that last scene when she comes out after she finds. By the way, down by the uh, evil red vagina, fucking loved that. Oh my, finds God. that gutted Hannibal prop. Love it. It's like, what the fuck? You're just like, damn. Like, that was the fun. And also, that's you're like, like, oh, this is straight horror. Like, we're doing yeah, straight like, up horror. I'm glad that machine is a red light and not a black light. Because <laughs> that would be true terror. That would be truly um, disgusting. Yeah, that kid had some very extra problems happening that we're just going to brush under a rug. It seems like when he, when he lands mm-hmm. and they have that great moment of him and his mom, and he lets her take the mask off. Yeah. Do you think that there was still one shred of Brandon? Is it Brandon? Brandon Breyer? Brandon yeah. Breyer. Um, that, that, was there one shred in him of the the boy that she raised that had she kind of acquiesced to what was happening, that they could have moved forward? No. I really don't. Like, to me, that's... I wonder. I do wonder. I, I mean, I wonder, and I wondered in that moment, but I really feel like at that point, it wouldn't have been because he says, like, you know, here's I, my, I, I here's my biggest. Yeah, here's my evidence. I would ask you to to litigate against. Right? He has let her live this long. Right. Right. And he already has crossed so many moral boundaries. Does he really need to? bait her into betraying him to clear his conscience before he can take her out, even though she was the closest person to him? Or do you honestly think he was like, well, this is the only person that maybe I truly love. See, that's where I would have gone. I would have gone on the other side of that. Like the latter is where I was assuming that was. Cause again, like he catches her hand with that piece of the spaceship and he, the look on his face is just like, how the fuck could you do that? Like, yeah. I'm trying to tell you that I'm I want to do good. I want to be a good person. And like it's too far so gone. So there was hope. There was well, hope. There's hope and like but again, like this goes back if she had just had the same brand of cookies that the ambulance guy had. But this goes back to our conversation about like <laughs> teenagers are fucking liars. Like, I want to do good. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I also, you know, there's plenty of times I'm sure in high school people you know, there's plenty of times you'd be like 
no, no, I'm not drinking. Someone else is drinking. And then, you know, so it's just a party. And then, you know, you get there and you just get fucking obliterated. Like that's, that's what that is. It's the little white lie. I want to do good. Yeah. No, you want to dominate well, and that's I, fine. But like, that's yes. But your mother is the person that you lie to for their sake. And then your mother tries to reveal the truth and she gets caught. It's, it's that it's what we, it's exactly the same thing we were talking about where it's that, um, it's, it's basically, you know, it's, you're arguing with your parents and you're arguing with your parents, you're arguing with your mother and they know you're lying, but the, some loss of like them calling you out on it, is it even worth it? Or do they just wait till the next thing? Like that I think is like, that's what it is. At the end of the day, it really, this movie is about the nature or nurture of parenting in general. Yes. And I think you've stumbled on the other most important thing this movie's accomplishing is the entire movie is destroying the self-made myths of characters, right? Yeah. So the cool uncle who gives his kid a gives his kid a gun, right? He had to know that wasn't gonna go. Right. And then he's I'm good to drive home. I'm a good drunk driver. Right. And then is willing to drive his nephew home drunk. So you know, not that he deserved the car accident. Sure. Uh, you know, the aunt who's like, I'm the cool aunt, but I'm also the hard-ass counselor, right? She can't – no one would, you know, be mad at her for trying to do extra for this kid. Right. Uh, you know, the mom and dad are destroying their own myths as we went over. Um, even the girl's mom, right? So the girl is, oh, I'm your friend, Brandon, mm-hmm. um, but then thinks she sees him, has no evidence that she saw him, but is, you know, destroyed this, oh, I'll be the nice girl in class. Right, Granted, right. he's a creep. Um, they're not always clean destructions. No. You know, but but her mom's an interesting one, too. The one that brought him the bowl of ice cream. Here you go, Brandon. I'm the nice small town waitress. Right. And then she turns immediately like, fucking put that kid down. Yeah. Like, everybody <laughs> um, is. Everybody's. And granted, Brandon is causing massive traumas that usually are what shake these myths down to their core. Right. I, but yeah, I think the whole thing is is destroying myth. And I think Brandon is unable to destroy that last part. Right. I think he needs his mom to destroy the last shred of both of their myth together. So I do think there was a hope that if she did not attack him, he would not have, uh, you know, done the gravity test with her. Right. I think he maybe would have saved her, but you know, I don't know. It's a strange thing. It's uh Yeah, I don't know if he would have saved her. I mean, I feel like it's one of Haunted the... her. I feel like he would have haunted her. I feel... I mean... Who's... I don't know. I mean, I think either one is just one of those things where... It's a great moment because I, I do honestly believe that there's a small gray area in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a small gray area. When she area. takes the mask off, I think there's a good moment of acting. Yeah. Where she sees the boy she loved legitimately, mm-hmm. not out of just fear. And I think he responds um, to the safest place he's ever known. Right. Legitimately. And that's a great shared moment. And like you said, he'd kind of gone way too far at this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There was no coming um, back. Like he was just. There was no coming back for him. But I think that they both desperately wanted to share that last moment of mythology. Yeah. Well, and that's really beautiful. And it is. It's wonderful. Considering how fucking apocalyptic and gnarly it got. <laughs> that was a really actually sweet beautiful moment between a mother and a son. Even yeah, I mean the whole thing is just really low. I mean even like her even him taking her all the way up into I love that shot. Oh my god. 
taking her up into the middle, like basically up into the stratosphere, then dropping her. Like, I love that shot. I think it's, I think it's fucking. I, I think it's really wonderful. Not only was it just really a great shot, and the music in this movie's phenomenal. Um, it was shocking, even in the theater. Because I, I thought early on, I'm like, oh, they've so clearly set up. It was like Willow, right? They so clearly set up the deus ex machina yeah. to end this movie. And then they just completely fucking throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. Even thinking she would get it. At that moment, you're like, oh, man, they're going hard on this. They're going the, they're doing the veer. Um, I did not. That was probably the most tragic death if you think about it. Yeah. Everyone else, he kind of mangled. She had to fall all the way. She had to watch all the way up and all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> and that shot of from her view of looking up at him. Oh, my so God. Good. It was great. Dev, and the way this movie was going, I'm like, oh, he's going to go down and play tic-tac-toe with what's left of her you know, splattered body. <laughs> Holy shit. And then, yeah, the plane was just kind of a crazy extra. Yeah. They're like, oh, he'll just kill a whole passenger plane Plane's as well. Plane's this crazy extra, and it's kind of like... <laughs> and then I loved, like, through the credits, sort of this, like, Alex Jones, and then all this news report. Like, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker gets Michael to be Alex Jones, Rooker. which is pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't applaud it. I don't applaud in theaters, but I'll applaud in a podcast that, God willing, he'll hear someday. <laughs> yeah, like, we got a lot of, like, really... Again, it's, like, it's so excellently set up. Not only did they set up the... like. And they're using, um, you know, a little bit of tease from uh, another James Gunn movie, which was um, Rain Wilson as that guy, Crimson Bolton Super. Super. I mean, yep. it's great. Like, but I think that's they cool. They actually showed caricatures of inverted Justice League members. Yep. I know. I love that. So I was like, if we get one of these every year for the next 10 years, and then we do a, an end game of Brightburn, <laughs> it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm just, I mean, I mean, the kids in the marriage; those are good. The story of the story of Griffey, if he was Superman, is definitely. <laughs> I'm just saying, name one person that didn't deserve Brandon's wrath. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, uh, I the fact that he didn't kill the uh, the trash jock and smart mouth. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that is a missed opportunity right there. Yeah, there was a kid who essentially called him a chicken fucker. Yeah, right in gym class, and I. This gets back to my, there seems to be a enormous slew, an underbelly, if you will, of uh, misbehavior of Brandon's that we're just going to completely gloss over. Uh, when he mangles those chickens, is that all he did? Was he just doing some quick Swayze throat rips? Yeah, I think those he, things were turned inside out. No, he was, he was, he was testing his, he was testing his limits. It was, uh, I think he might've sexed those chickens to death. <laughs> Because this kid called him a chicken fucker, and then he was just eyeballing the chickens. Yeah, right. He was savoring it. I don't know. There's a lot. I'm of just really saying, great, like, Brandon was much worse than we even scratched the surface yeah. of. That'll probably be the sequel. There's a lot. There's a lot We're of really do a great. Sequel we need to, to, <laughs> there's just a lot of really great. Like we need to talk about Kevin moments uh, throughout. Oh, it was great. But honestly, this is the best version of I want to talk to. Kevin. Or we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. This is, is that when you're like, oh, this is so real. 
It's so hard. This one's like, oh, well, at least there's people getting fucking their heads blown out by lasers. <laughs> yes. Give me a little. Give me a little joy. This is at least, with this my, is at least uh, the modicum of commentary. genre joy you get. I, yeah, I loved this movie. I thought it was a fucking blast in the theater. I think it's yeah. it's one of those things I could probably watch again really easily too, which is cool. I was trying to think of where I imagine. I think I imagine this movie would be like slightly better than Hellboy experience for me. Like, he'd be like, oh, there was some cool moments, some genre stuff, sure. but you know. Really clunky, didn't use it to full effect. I left the theater, and honestly, there was really nothing else I wanted. Yeah. They pretty much explored all of the best stuff, and they did it in a really interesting way. And the genre schlock was so much fucking better than I imagined. I left the theater as contented in a piece of storytelling as I've been in a long while. Yeah. I think, I think that was my experience too. Like I left not needing anything else. Like I left thinking about it. And I think that's really when it comes to these kinds of genre movies, all you can ask, like I left thinking about what that movie was trying to interpret to me. And I think that's the value. That's the real value of genre cinema is right. Well, this one does a great job. You get past the the great genre stuff. That's what you talk about on the walk to the car. But three days later, you're pondering all of the deeper stuff. Right, exactly. I it it, it was great. It was a really good time at the theater, and it's also really good. Just a really good parable. Like, what is nature versus nurture, and what really is? What really are we doing? What really are we doing to our children by not telling them things? I don't know. It was fascinating. I really enjoyed it. <sighs> Do you think there was some anything the Briars could have done? No. It felt inevitable. It did. Maybe that was the only thing. Maybe I wanted to see the Briars make one sin. Because I feel like the hiding of the spaceship is not something that Brandon should be that mad about. It's not so tragic. I think this. Yeah, I get it because he's like, oh, I've had to be bullied. And I could have been beaten ass. I think the sin is that they. I think the sin is like. Because. In Superman, he confronts them about how different he is. And that's yes. when they explain to him where he came from. In this one, he literally, they don't tell him at all. And finally, like he's like, tell me what I am. I'm like, all right, fine. Well, here's like, that's like the yeah. sin of the Briars is that they felt that they were protecting their child by not telling them something vitally important to their lives. So you're saying they're essentially like anti-vaxxers? Yeah, pretty this much. Is why the this, whole that's pretty much die. what the movie is. The movie is an anti, uh, anti-vaxxer indictment. It's all vaccination propaganda. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want like the Rob Zombie version again, no. right? Like the opening act of Halloween. <laughs> but maybe one thing that showed a crack in the family, because I'm like, these parents are pretty awesome. But again, I mean, maybe that's what makes it so effective. Yeah. Is that that's what adds to the horror is we all are just trying our best and hoping. It was great, man. I really yeah. if you haven't honest if you haven't yeah. if you've gotten to the end of this and haven't seen it, hey, weird. But uh um <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh I hope you guys kind of got from it more than just like schlocky horror stuff because it is more than that, and I think that's the best part. Is it's a, but if that's all you got, that's awesome. That's yeah, I mean, that's fine too. But I think what's <laughs> great is like the accentuation of some of this that comes from examining it, like we are. Like there is more to it. But if all you got was like, holy shit, there's some pretty sweet kills in that movie. Then all right, that's fine. Like that's really kind of like that's really also all you can ask from a movie like this. <laughs> 
It's a build your own, baby. <laughs> no, uh, I actually, yeah, I decided I would just torture myself with this fucking hideous remnants of voice. With just all of the body systems shutting down on and off throughout the last four days, which has been awesome. Uh, I was like, I still have to put it in because I loved Brightburn so much. I want to sing its praises to the Dark Lords. Uh, this is what me and Black Phillip have on the projector at the Chubby Mansion. <laughs> Finally, it's, we have a movie. Awesome. Finally, have a movie yeah. for the projector. Guys. <laughs> Philip, be praised. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, rate and review and subscribe to us. We really, really, really want you to participate. Uh, we have yeah, a lot of listen cool stuff to the right shows. Now. Listen to the many shows we have. This show, and of course, the Film Alchemist, which is hosted by Griffey, uh, who normally doesn't sound like this, but I've really enjoyed, it and I'm glad you powered through. Uh, that really actually means a lot to me, man. Thank you. I'm here for you. I'm here for all of you. It's a great Harvey Firestein. Uh, as <laughs> always, and then catch us on all our socials. We're all over social media. You can't get rid of us. We're like a MRSA infection. Guys, go see Brightburn and go see the other movies. I guess also go see Booksmart, but, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Just Go see Booksmart. Go see Brightburn ten times, though, because I want the Dark Universe. Yes. I, yeah, that, I don't need Dark Justice League. This is the Dark this Justice, is the dark League, Justice I League I need. I want. Yeah, for sure, guys. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. Great, I can hear Gravely losing the voice. From the Long Box Sessions, I'm Alex Dandino. I'm what's left of Josh Griffey. The rest of will be back next week. We'll see you guys. Yeah, God's willing.